This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast, Jeremy Warner, and it is time to talk about the Illini basketball offseason and every little storyline that could get into it. And yes, Derek, rubbing his hands at this because (laughs) this was a really disappointing end, Derek, of what was supposed to be a really special end to a season. And, you know, I just got done actually talking with Mike Small, and he's probably the only other coach at Illinois, maybe just in spring who kind of understands what it's like to have a great year, be the one seed going into an NCAA championships and then lose in a single elimination matchup, right? And and not win a national championship, even if he felt, you know, he, he had his best team. Um, and, and he gave great, you know, stuff about how that kind of fuels you moving forward and, and what that can do for a program. But he said, that's what the NCAA tournaments and championships, that's how it's set up is that they're not great at crowning the best team, the champion. And, you know, I think Illinois was one of the best teams in the country this year. This certainly will be a big memory of that, but what is the fallout Derek, if any of an early exit from the tournament on this coming off season? That's a good question. I know that, Going into this NCAA tournament, I talked to Jaden Shutt right after the Big Ten tournament, and they, they, they win it, and they're one seed, and you could just hear the excitement, and Jaden in particular, I'm, I'm going to use him as an example. I know that it kind of was the same for some others. Like, Jaden's been pretty guarded, pretty careful about the way that he says things and, and just doesn't want to tip his hand by any means or just kind of is, is straightforward with his answers, but he expressed some real excitement as an in-state kid, and for Illinois to be in that position. And he said, like, they're doing something special down there. So that was clearly resonating with him. You could tell, uh, I know I've been in contact with some recruits throughout the season, like back when they beat Duke, I know that looks a little bit different, but like that was something that people are like, oh, wow, Illinois is here. Um, so I, I don't think that them losing, I mean, it doesn't erase everything, but there was a lot to be gained clearly, and not only for this team, but, uh, for their momentum going to the offseason, there was talk around the staff like, hey, we got a, a real chance to put ourselves on the map and, and really grasp the attention of people by, by going on a deep run. So without having that, uh, I know that that sacrifices some potential things here, but uh, I still think that they can sell. They had obviously a great season, and uh, even though Iowa had a bad game, they could still say, hey, that was an All-American and all that. So uh, there was something that was taken away but clearly it's just still kind of that disbelief factor of like it's really over yeah and they are the only one seed that got knocked out right but uh there are many big 10 teams uh sitting at home disappointed with illinois outside of michigan derek just in in your thoughts i, I haven't gotten them on this podcast because we had michael tulip right after and he was great and i've talked to joey about it but um loyola just ran uh a clinic it felt like and what they did to Illinois what's the fallout of that like what do you think the staff takes away from that what do you think the players take away from that because for most of that game to be honest with you I know it was nine points 12 points at times but it, it just felt like it was never in reach for Illinois that's a good question as far as you know what the the next moves are going to be or, or what it forces you then to pivot to or as far as self-evaluation I think that is going to be something that fans are obviously going to remember for a long time and and Brad definitely and his staff I don't think you know we're not the only ones saying I think he got I think they got out coached I think they were out schemed and and as far as being able to have adjustments and and that's not to take any pressure away from the players that didn't make enough plays or uh, you know guys on defense just breaking down in assignments or or IO getting back cut or whatever that may be Uh, it it was tough. And, and I wondered heading in my one question, because 
it, it was funny. I was sitting there going into the tournaments. Like we're giving all the reasons why they're going to potentially, why they're going to go to the final four, why they can win it all. And what's the one counter. And I think as far as what we had seen, I mean, you could have said turnover still like what they had shown or if Kofi's in foul trouble or if Kofi's at the free throw line too much. And I just wondered maybe did they give too much in that big 10 term? Did they, how much did they have left from that? Uh, and I, I don't know. There were moments in the tournament, even against Drexel, I was like, is Kofi tired? Because he's not rebounding. And the, they didn't have that same edge in that Loyola game. Like yeah. something wasn't there as far as their desperation, their effort. or Loyola wanted it more and, and seemed to show that. And I don't think Illinois responded well when they got popped. Like when they got popped early, uh, they seemed to not take it all that great. They were searching. And when Io gets bottled up, when Kofi gets sent, you know, double teams at him every single time, uh, it was tough for them to respond. And they didn't seem to know what to do. And defensively, they did not make adjustments, at least as far as what we could tell. It seemed like they were in that same coverage of here's the dribble handoff through Crutwig and we're chasing through screens. And if we're not going to get there, Kofi's going to have to decide, I have to step up or I have to go back. And he stepped up a lot of the times and the ball went over his head a lot of times. So uh, it was disappointing. I, I think Loyola clearly, and we can have this conversation, probably underseeded uh, <laughs> as far as being number nine in Ken Palm in the eight seed in your bracket. And I think – I don't want to make excuses, but Illinois could have used – like if they were a Sweet 16 matchup and you had a full week to prepare for them to really understand their offense, their actions, and what they're trying to do, I think Illinois would have been a better spot. But, again, you're the one seed. You have more talent. You need to win that game. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's execution. It's game plan. It's adjustments. It's all of those things. But you brought up the point, and, and we can never prove this, right? But there was a lot of both physical – and mental energy of this team uh, on the Big Ten championship, right? In the last three weeks of the season, whether it was the Big Ten regular season champion that they didn't get a, a taste of or going to get that banner. And in their credit, they did with a phenomenal weekend in Indianapolis at the Big Ten championship or Big Ten tournament. And you you wonder if like they were like, all right, we accomplished it, right? And then they go, all right, first weekend, it's a breeze. Loyola Chicago, good team, respect them, but we're still Illinois. We're the number one seed. I had that feeling. Like I was like, I respect the heck out of Loyola and Porter Moser, but how are they going to do this against Kofi and Io and Trent Frazier and Andre Cabell and all those guys? I, I didn't expect it had their worst games for the most part, outside of maybe Curbelo and Miller, uh, and you just can't have that against a, a really good team. All right, Derek, so now let's focus on a, on a big offseason, and it could be a really fun offseason for Illinois because <laughs> there are so many possibilities. As we've seen, it can already be a roller coaster of an offseason based on just how much talent is out there uh, and, and just the talent Illinois is in on, which means they're going to miss on some guys, and that already was the case with, with Boyace here. But Iowa is gone, and Kofi will test the waters. Th- those are two huge pieces that you're missing. Um, but how much does Io and his success here, Derek, help with the sell to other league guards, whether it's Ty Ty Washington or say a transfer out there who, who's looking for a better opportunity? I think it helps a lot. It's something that they're definitely going to focus on as far as his development, how far he's come, the, the opportunity and, and just kind of the focus in the offense. Clearly going forward, Corbello is going to be running the show a lot. And, but they've shown that, even for as good as Iowa was, there were times when Curbelo had the ball in his hands and was able to make some plays. So kind of when you flip that script, someone could come in and have an opportunity where, yeah, it's Curbelo's team and he's going to run it, but you're going to have some opportunities in the pick and roll or just transition game. And just the way, again, like Iowa got a ton better. Like when you think about the way he came in and jump shots his question and then the way he's hitting mid-range shots and the way he develops physically and just the branding and all that, I know that's, that's not development, but that's like selling who he is. And um, yeah, I, I think that he's a national presence. Like you can just go beyond, you know, obviously in state uh, selling some of those guys or, or guys around the area. You can go nationally and say, I would assume when people know who you're talking about and, and know that that's uh, an all American and was in the player of the year conversation. So I think that will certainly help them. Now I say that and uh, Namari Burnett was one that you were really, hammering that home too. And uh, now maybe the buzz is, has changed a little bit and it seems like Alabama's all of a sudden coming on strong. Maybe Illinois is not in the same position. They seem uh, to think they were, uh, we'll see with Ty Ty. I know that's uh, an example that they're using a lot to him and uh, they're in 
they're in deep, but they have a lot of tough competition. And, and clearly when he's now under five-star consideration, already in the top 30, uh, might even get another bump up. Everybody knows how good that guy is now. So uh, that'll be tough, but they're certainly going to be able to use IO. And I know, especially even like going forward after he gets drafted this summer, I think even in 2022, 23, uh, that can certainly help them. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to have an NBA prospect you can sell, right? Like a, a guy who's actually playing in the NBA and likely going to be on a playoff team, most likely if he goes first round, like most people still expect, even after a bad game, his worst game against Loyola. I think that showed some warts of his, but I think over the long term, uh, he proved himself and proved his worth. And I think he'll do well, both in workouts and interviews, man. Like you're just not going to have to worry about him. And, and I think we know NBA teams, that matters. Uh, that matters, especially if you're going to a really good franchise, playoff franchise. All right, Kofi Coburn is going to be the biggest storyline of this offseason, Derek, because if Kofi Coburn comes back, Illinois can be dreaming of top 15, top 10 preseason ranking, competing at the top of the Big Ten again with Michigan. I would think Ohio State and Purdue. Uh, we'll see if anybody else can enter that mix. But I think the Big Ten is going to be a lot worse next year, especially at the bottom. So uh, if Kofi comes back, I, I think he could feast yet again. Um, and we know how important he is to this team. But also the timing of this has a huge impact on their potential of finding a replacement for him. So he's going to enter the NBA draft, test the waters as he should. And then he's got the decision to make based on that feedback. But that timing, Derek, it's hard to sell a spot to somebody uh, if Kofi Coburn still has a realistic, even if it's 30% or 70% a realistic chance of, of coming back just because you know, he's going to get 30 minutes a game and he can stay on the court for 30 minutes a game. So how do they approach the big man recruiting here? Yeah, it's complicated for sure. And you'll, you'll take it because you still have a chance to bring back an All-American and still are going to, assuming that the way it pans out is he's going to declare for the draft and leave it open-ended, get the feedback. Hopefully there's a combine for him to be able to go through and some individual workouts and just allow him to gather all that experience, all that, and he can be better from it personally if he does then decide to come back but it's going to be the middle of the summer i haven't checked the dates if the dates are even out there i don't think they've said them. i don't think yeah. they've said them yet i'm expecting what july at least as far as when you might get that answer and that's just a guess um so certainly in the meantime uh it it's tough because illinois is sitting there saying hey if kofi's not here we got a great sell as far as what orlando did with him as far as our emphasis on getting the big man the ball using the the ball screen, having a point guard in Curbelo who can really set it up and 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 dish it up to you. So, uh, but the problem is with the open-ended uh, nature of Kofi's decision, you can't get a guy who wants to come in and start. In that meantime, I, I would be very surprised if anybody would say, "Hey, I'm coming in. Kofi comes back, I'll be okay with playing behind him." Now, is there a player out there, say Trey Mitchell from UMass, who could slot at the four if Kofi were to come back, and that that dynamic can work some. Uh, and then when Kofi's out, he can play the five. Uh, we'll see about Georgia factored into this as well. But uh, I think that that is something they can, uh, you know, really pursue. Uh, but in the meantime, like a Miles Johnson who just hit the market, who would be a great replacement for Kofi. I don't think you can sell him on coming in. I mean, I know you can't as far as him playing backup minutes to Kofi. Uh, he would really check a lot of those boxes that you do get out of, out of Kofi, but uh, is he still going to be on the market in the middle of the summer? It's hard to imagine that. Yeah, he could start at what all but ten programs in the country, like I, th that would want him there uh, this yeah. year. So a guy like that, it's it's very difficult. Maybe you could get like a layup kind of guy that's coming from the mid major level, is kind of undersized five that maybe you can sell him on uh, being a rotation piece. But a guy like Miles, I think, would be really really tough. Um, it, we always go into an off season, Derek knowing that there's probably going to be some unexpected attrition at this point. Um, there's also the possibility this year of Trent Frazier, DeMonte Williams coming back. So um, how much of that should we even expect, or is it way too early to even know with this roster given, I mean, the transfer portal is nuts and we'll get into that, but um, what is, what is your expectation with the rest of the roster? It is still pretty early. Now players have, starting to go back home now. And that's usually when those conversations seem to have happen as far as uh, players talking to their families and then they make their way back to campus at some point, although it'll be interesting because of online learning and everything, do they even need to come back? In some, in some cases, maybe not. 
but that's kind of initiates the off season and you kind of find out where people are uh, and, and you have those conversations at the end of the season, season meetings with the staff. But uh, Trent Frazier is an interesting one. I know that his dad's been pretty vocal on, on Twitter and on social media saying, Hey, this is, this is it. Like he's coming home. It's been a long time. And even outside of the pandemic, he's spent a lot of time away from his family and they haven't got a chance to be around him or see him a whole lot. Um, and, and if he were to, you know, pursue a professional career, I think that's something that he could do based on what he's shown. He can go earn money somewhere. Uh, and the, the idea that he would transfer to a Florida school, maybe a lot of fans might, not love that, but look, he's giving you a whole lot. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I just think that that might be uh, a possibility. It'll be interesting. DeMonte, I don't know. It, I think that a lot of the buzz has been he'll probably come back as far as throughout the year. But if Io's gone, if Kofi ends up staying in, or just the idea that he could be gone, if Trent says I'm out, maybe DeMonte's like, it's my time to leave as well. Um, it, it'll be interesting, though, because – the conversations, I think the, I always thought that the way the season ended was going to matter as far as who comes back and what that that desire to come back is like. Maybe if they go to the Final Four, if they cut out the Nets, they're like, we did everything we want to do, uh, and that's it. Maybe in a dissatisfying ending says we didn't go out the right way. We need to come back. Uh, maybe that plays into it a little bit. So, yeah, and that's just – Guys that, you know, are seniors and, and have that decision make, you can always expect – you can just close your eyes and pick one team in Ken Palm and say that team's probably going to have a transfer out. Like That's just the way the nature of college basketball right now, and I'd expect that with Illinois, and, and we'll, we'll probably see that here in the coming weeks. All right, Derek Piper, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about talent accrual uh, because they need a lot of talent because they are losing um, some. So let's talk about that next on the Illinois Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Derek Piper, we were told the transfer portal, and Brad Underwood's been all over this, it's going to be absolutely nuts with a one-time transfer, the COVID thing going on, graduate transfers, and just this is the way of college sports now. We've seen it with football the last couple of years, uh, and now with a one-time transfer rule likely on the horizon very shortly here, um, you see so many players uh, entering the transfer portal. I think we're already double of what it was at this time last year. So... Um, how do you think that impacts Illinois? Because Brad Underwood, I don't think, is a big fan of, of the transfer portal, but I don't think he's against using it to his advantage either. Yeah, you said it perfectly right there. I don't, I don't think he's a huge fan of like the idea of free agency or just the idea that you could lose somebody on a snap of a finger. But at the same time, he's mentioned Baylor as far as like the the prototype or just the model for building a program and those guys go out and get veterans and he said get old stay old and that whole type of deal but uh, they're going to be active they're going to see a lot of opportunity and when you're coming off a really good season you're going to have that chance and maybe some pop and some momentum to to pull in some guys we've seen that be the case in the past and again it's not the same as Virginia winning it all or Texas Tech going to the final and and they got Texas Tech gets TJ Holyfield and they had a whole lot of buzz 
I go into the final four and Illinois is not going to have that kind, but I do think that they will have um, some of that. And yeah, this year in particular with the one time, which hasn't been implemented, it hasn't been approved or passed, but everybody's operating on the assumption that it's going to happen. Yeah. Like football, football, like they got CJ Hart, Calvin Hart. He's a linebacker and he's already with the first team. We're not sure if he can play yet. Like, I I don't even think he's gotten his waiver yet or, um, the one-time transfer rule hasn't, hasn't passed yet. So everyone seems to be assuming, um, but we just haven't seen the actual thing happen yet. Right. And that part of it's crazy, but with that involved, just the, the freedom of movement uh, of what's going to be out there or assumed to be out there is going to create a lot of crazy, uh, opportunities, a lot of crazy rumblings, which we're already hearing and discussing on the premium boards. And uh, it's it's going to get wild. It's going to feel a lot like free agency. And it's going to be a very eventful offseason. And it's, it's definitely already getting kickstarted here. I get it from Brad Underwood's perspective because if I were a coach, and, and mid-major coaches have been feeling this for a while, right, with the graduate transfer rule, you put all this time into identifying, evaluating, and De, you know, developing a player once he gets there, and then Alan Griffin just decides I'm going to go to Syracuse, right? And he's eligible right away, and doesn't have to pay a penalty. Like I get that, like I get that sense because if you had Alan Griffin on this team, man, like you were one seed already. What what could you done with with that guy uh, as another great scorer, rebounder on your team? Does it help you beat oil? I don't know, but um, yeah, I can understand why that is frustrating. But on the flip side. There's so many more opportunities of adding talent uh, as well. Uh, as we said, the, the key uh, is in the post, Derek, but that's going to be hard to sell. Um, you're also got a couple high school targets here in, in Ty Ty Washington and, and Brandon Podzimski, who are great talents. And I, I know there's been understandably a, a roller coaster ride in the class of 2021 here, but what would landing one or both of those guys mean for Illinois? Because Boy, they are they are electric guards at times. Yeah, it can mean a lot, no doubt. And, I, and we mentioned Ty Ty already, as far as the top thirty guy, and, and just someone that you think can come in and be an impact player right away. And he's someone that can is really electric offensively. Both these guys are uh, in terms of being able to fill it up and uh, shoot from deep. And Ty Ty can can go to the rim, can can pull from way beyond the arc, and. Uh, I think he fits really, really well as a combo guard that is alongside Herbello that can do some things with the ball in his hands, but also just be a lights out spot up guy and, and get out in transition. And look, I mean, Kansas is in there and, and UCLA and there's a lot of programs and that shows how good Ty Ty is. Now, the one thing Illinois is probably going to sell uh, in addition to just kind of, Hey, we're losing IO. We might lose Trent. There's a lot of opportunity in that backcourt. I know that that kind of played, I think against Illinois, the first go around in the fall when they worked all the way up to, into the top two with Creighton, it's just kind of at the end of the day, there was Curbelo, Adam, Trent might come back, Hutch. And there was some questions about, Hey, do I have enough opportunity here versus a Creighton where it might be more open once Zagorowski leaves. So uh, now this time around, I think with the buzz, maybe changing on Trent and just kind of, uh, there's a, there's a different feeling about a confidence of, of coming in and having that role. So, uh, I think he could do a lot uh, as far as next season. And, and Podzimski, the dude's get, getting buckets. Like, I, I know the, the competition isn't maybe the best, but you put up 35 a game and you're second leading scorer in high school, uh, and you can put on the kind of displays as far as shooting goes that, that he has. And you think that a Curbelo, and, and if you get Kobe back, is going to take off the pressure. I mean, you look at the Loyola game. They said, look, we're not going to let Io beat us. They're not going to let Kofi beat us. We'll let you shoot wide-open shots uh, and on other s- spots. And someone like Podzimski is going to bury those, you would imagine. So uh, I think that he could help a lot. And, and I think Ty Ty would be more of an immediate impact guy. But Podzimski, even out of the wings, like he would join Melendez and join Luke Goody. I'd expect probably Podzimski to make them probably the surest impact right away, although Goody has – and Melendez have played well here of late. So if we were ranking the needs this offseason, Derek, one is big man, right? But it's it all depends on Kofi and the timing of that, right? Two would be another combo league guard, right? Would that, would that be right? Yep, absolutely. A combo guard. And they like someone with length if possible. Uh, that's why, you know, Ty Ty 6'3", uh, might be pushing 6'4", got to 
we haven't talked about him yet, but Armand Franklin from Indiana. Uh, I, I'm really high on him as far as his fit and what he could do at, at Illinois. And he's going to be someone that is going to, like all these Indiana guys, I think he's going to wait and see who's hired in Bloomington. But Illinois is interested in him for good reason, someone that can create his own shot, be a secondary ball handler. And that is something that they're really looking for, uh, especially, yeah, that's second to big man. But if you get Kofi back, that's the number one priority. So, I mean, Armand Franklin was was their best scorer. And when he was out with injury, obviously they, they were not the same. Um, that That's a big name. And if he, that's another guy that if you're a transfer and you got a couple years left and you just saw what Io went through and what he was able to do and that I don't have to be the primary guy like he had to be at times at Indiana. I can have Corbello creating shots for me. Um, that's another open lane that I don't know if we considered all that much heading into this offseason, Derek, but he would be a, a big-time get for, for Illinois. Not that Adam Miller, Adam Miller could be better than him next year, right? But you'd have two of those kind of guys alongside Curbelo that could put you back into the the mix at the top of the Big Ten. Someone like that. I don't know if it's just Armand Franklin, but it seems like there will be plenty of those guys available. Right. and th- There will be other opportunities, but Franklin especially, like having the experience in the Big Ten, the fact that – He's an Indianapolis product, might want to stay close to home. If he doesn't stay at Indiana, I think Illinois could sell that. And then, again, like having the opportunities, some of the opportunities that Io had and having Curbelo uh, set him up. Look at Franklin's efficiency numbers. He was one of the best catch-and-shoot guys in the country as far as efficiency this past year. Uh, I know from three overall is about 42%. And also someone that can go off the dribble, create his own shot, mid-range game. Uh, and I think there's a lot to like about his potential fit. And again, he's 6'4". I think he's a solid defender. And pairing him with a Curbelo and throwing Miller in there in the backcourt would be really exciting. Show him uh, the catch-and-shoot opportunities DeMonte Williams got in last year's yeah. offense. Hey, that's what you're going to get uh, in this offense. So if we had number three on the needs, and, and scholarship-wise, I know fans want to know like how many scholarships. There's currently one that'll change, right? Like that, That's going to change. Um, so what would be number three on your list? I think it would probably be a four-man. Now, they're really high on on Coleman Hawkins, and I think that a year in the weight room could really help him. And I'm expecting him to to do some pretty good things for you next year. Now, I I think Grandison, obviously, in that mix as well, though I expect him to play more three than four uh, this upcoming year just with Hawkins coming along. Uh, And and maybe it will depend on some of these answers, like what Trent's going to do, what DeMonte's going to do. in the back of their mind, I know that they would like to get another point guard eventually, but I think that's why they're kind of prioritizing combo guard, someone who can handle some of those responsibilities and not be a true point. Cause it's going to be hard to sell one of those when you got Curbelo for at least three more years. Um, so I'd probably say four man at this, at this point in time, after a five and after a, another guard, uh, a combo guard, but, uh, and then you throw in the wing, like they want another wing in Ponzimski. So he's kind of yeah. their answer there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It, it, it might come down to some of the the conversations with a, with a Trent, with a DeMonte, what they want to do. Another X factor here, Derek, and one we got asked, I think, daily about what his status was, was is Austin Hutcherson. Um, been away from the team all season as he deals with kind of a – uh, that lingering back issue that kind of flared up uh, again this year. Um, what What is the expectation? Are they expecting him to be back? Like, do you expect him to be back? I, I mean, I, I wouldn't know what to expect once he hits the floor just because we, we don't know. We haven't seen it at this level, but he certainly has the length, athleticism, skill set that, boy, he could, he could fill a big role. It's just, I don't know if I'm counting on him. Yeah, I, I think that's the right approach to have. I mean, it's easy to, to get really excited with his measurables, with his athleticism, with his shooting, and, and just the thought of what he could bring. And uh, I, I, and just like what Brad was talking about uh, as far as what he was doing in practice uh, the previous season. Now, I know that they're encouraged by what they've seen from him. They've seen some of his workouts. They've been in contact with him through his recovery and personal training and all of that. They expect him to be back. Now, they're not maybe – putting all their – obviously putting all their eggs in, the, in, in that basket as far as he's slotting in next to Miller, next to Curbelo. We're good there. That's our starting three guards. 
I don't think they're approaching it that way by any means, but um, they expect to have him back and, and they hope that he's healthy. And they think that if he is, that he can definitely help them quite a bit. All right. So there's also the development of the current roster and the roster that is returning. And I think a lot of that, um, you know, Kofi comes back. You hope maybe is there a mid range game there? Um, but whatever Kofi you have is going to be an awesome player. One of the best players in college basketball. Um, I don't know if I'm going to spend too much time on this podcast with Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk and, and Jermaine Ham one day, but that, that freshman to sophomore class, Curbelo, a jump shot, right? If he can get a jump shot, look how good that can be. Cause I think we saw last year just how electric he can be as a playmaker, but he also got better defensively. And I thought he was passable defensively and made some plays uh, late in the season. If he can find some consistency with, with a, the mid-range I thought was really good towards the end of the year, but if, if he can extend that out to three and and hit just about 30% of those, boy, I mean, you're, you're talking potential all-Big Ten player, I would think. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's why it was, it was kind of frustrating through the season watching him, knowing that he was a better shooter even this year than what he had shown through a large stretch of that season. Uh, got some more confidence late in the year and, and started to make a couple here and there. Uh but yeah, that that is the the major emphasis going into the offseason is is becoming more of a capable three point shooter and even in that mid range. He's got a nice turnaround. Like he he really likes getting in about 10, 15 feet, turning around and, and shooting that shot. And he made it a decent clip. Uh, I think continuing to show more with a floater or uh, some of that. But uh, I mean, in the lane, he's really crafty and has shown a lot already. So uh, I, I wouldn't worry too much about him there. But yeah, it's a three-point shot. It's continuing to get better defensively uh, and, and get stronger. I think that that will really help him. Uh, and then uh, learn from some of his mistakes. And as far as seeing the game and knowing this works here at this level, this doesn't, uh, I think that, that some of that like learning in the film room and just kind of experiencing that on the practice floor as he becomes more mature with it, I think that will help as well. Yeah, I just don't see him going like the Rocket Watts route, right? Where it's like, oh my gosh, this no. guy at the end of the year, and then falling off a cliff. Um, I, I think uh, he, he's going to be the the engine of this team. He was at times this season, even with Io there. All right, Adam Miller, role could and usage could grow immensely. And, and Derek, you know he's capable of it. So how much can he grow from freshman to sophomore year just based on a role change? A lot. I think he can take a huge leap forward. He's a guy that can definitely fill it up. And, and we didn't see the entire arsenal of, of what he's capable of doing, particularly off the dribble. And I think that some of that was confidence. Some of that was just trying to do the right thing within his role and, and, and not making it hero ball, not making it about himself. And I think he did a good job of kind of buying into team basketball. And not that that was a question, but just kind of approaching it that way he does need to finish around the rim a little bit better and I know that was like in, in the Ohio State game uh, he would go to the rim and get his shot blocked now he's he's explosive like he's shown some clips where he's a lot more vertically explosive than like I would assume who is so uh, continuing to tap into that and just kind of knowing how to go about it maybe using his body a little bit more I, I know he kind of rose up like he was going to dunk and maybe you you throw your body in there and, and draw a foul and, and kind of angles and that kind of stuff. But uh, his pull-up game's great. His three-point shot is a lot better than what he showed as far as – he was just streaky with it, catch and shoot-wise. He, he had a lot of good looks that he didn't make, and I know he'd be the first to tell you that uh, and continuing to, to grow from that. But you can put him in the pick-and-roll some. You can allow him to create an ISO and go off the dribble. Um, but offensively, as far as his role going up, I, I don't worry about that at all. I think that, that's what he's built for. That's what you sold him on in the recruiting process and, and he's definitely been there before and I think he'll do well yeah I think obviously if, if he's going to be the NBA player some people obviously think he can be it's going to have to be the uh, more offense but I think he set a really good foundation this year Derek for, for defense for playing a team role and now it could be his time to, to, to be that kind of Jordan Poole kind of score that, that we think he's capable of being uh, speaking of these comps that we throw out the, the uh, example I've always used for Coleman Hawkins even though he wasn't quite as highly rated as a recruit but kind of the similar area uh, is DJ Wilson and mm -hmm. DJ Wilson was nothing as a freshman barely anything as a sophomore I, I just looked up his stats uh, his freshman year, 0 0.4 points, one rebound per game. His sophomore season at Michigan, 2.7 points. 
uh, per game. And then that huge leap to a junior year where he averaged 11 points, one of the best players on that team that made a huge run, uh, killed Illinois and ended the John Gross era at the Big Ten <laughs> tournament in windy Washington, D.C., as Derek and I remember it. Uh, and there was a first-round pick of the Milwaukee Bucks, I believe it was. Um, Coleman Hawkins, can he have a, a bigger role than what DJ Wilson had? I'm not going to say he's going to be a first-round pick, all Big Ten kind of caliber players is DJ, but there's just a similar skill set there. So how much growth, how do you expect Coleman Hawkins to take the next step? Yeah, his sophomore year clearly can can be more than what DJ's was. His freshman year already was, it seems like. Yeah, um, yeah I think – He's someone that when you look around college basketball and there's look, we're probably, I think we're going to hit on this, but uh, there's criticism about the big 10 and just the style of play and, and more teams out there have versatility, dribble, pass and shoot at many positions, particularly their front court. And Coleman is one of those guys. And uh, he can, he can do more offensively than he showed like the three point game is he's, he's a pretty good shooter and didn't make a lot of those this past season. Uh, he can facilitate some offense, like drive a close out, even pushing and transition on his own. Uh, that's something that he's capable of. Uh, mid-range, all that kind of thing. Uh, I think that you'll see a big leap from him. Uh, I think he did show that he can deal with some of the physicality and just uh, bring energy and, and willing to do a lot. And he blocked some shots as well that was encouraging. He's got a lot to like as far as a skill set. And there's a lot, in, a lot of tools in that bag as far as what he can do offensively. So I think it's just getting stronger, uh, getting more confident, just further developing that. And uh, defensively, I mean, is he ever going to be a, a big-time rebounder? Probably not. And, and he's probably, if you get matched up with the physical postman, if he is ever going to play the five or if he's going to play against the physical four, I mean, he might he might get pushed around a little bit. Uh, but I think stretching the floor, passing, uh, defending at the rim, walling up at the rim, and you're going to need more of that if you don't have Kofi. I think that he can bring all those things. I think he could be great defensively, just switching versatile there. I agree with you. I don't think he'll be much in the boards, and he's going to get taken advantage of by some of these old-school Big Ten big men who are more traditional. Uh, but but I think he could also be a problem on the offensive glass, which Brad is really big on, and, and we know there's a skill set there offensively. I agree with you. I think it's strength. I think it's confidence. I think it's just settling in. Like, he just looked like a freshman, which they come in there and they're kind of – sped up and don't know what to do and uh but i i think the effort and energy uh certainly is there with him and, and the skill set and length uh provides a very intriguing combo at a position in need for them uh, I, I would expect another year for brandon lieb is that our brandon lieb conversation they like him though right derek but i would expect that he needs another year of strength gain there they like him for sure i've heard a lot of really good things actually I and mean, you talk about this talk around the staff and, and what they've seen from him and i know that they say he gets the heck beat out of him in practice by Kofi, which, I mean, who wouldn't? Um, but he, he continues to show that he is up for it and then willing to push through some of the growing pains. And look, we saw in that Drexel game, Tyler Underwood, two great dimes to leave in the post, and Lee couldn't finish off either one of them. And now the fan base is like, oh, you know, he's, he's a long ways uh, from being – really serviceable at that and I, I think he is I do think you remember he, freshman year mav like that's what freshman year mav looked like right yeah that's a good call uh, yeah it's going to be another season of, of being in the weight room i don't expect much of anything next year and, and as long as he can continue to progress and that he can be patient uh and the staff can be patient with them they're just going to try to play the long game and i, I don't expect a whole lot yeah. uh, in the immediate sense as far as next year yeah so maybe some promise for the long term but we're setting the expectation not expecting much next year line of fans all right uh and then the freshmen coming in derek i want to hit on them uh i you mentioned it maybe not expecting a lot out of luke goody and rj melendez but it does show what the i want eventually out of those guys which is length right on the wing and some obviously skill from Luke Goody and RJ Melendez I think is shown uh, athleticism boost of what they have out there what do you think those guys add in the short and long term definitely like you said length and uh, ability to shoot from the outside particularly with Goody uh, some versatility for sure uh, they can play and, and defend multiple positions uh, Melendez had a really good finish to his year like he was the player of the year in the grind session, there's a lot of high-level players uh, on that on that circuit. So uh, he's someone, like you said, that has the length and can do some things off the dribble and can shoot it. 
and it has the athleticism as well. I just think the physicality of the Big Ten and the physicality of D1 college basketball in general is something that he's going to have to adjust to and adapt to. Uh, and I would be skeptical of how well he handles that early or just not having growing pains going through that early on. So uh, I think he'll he could play some spot minutes off the bench and provide you know some of those skill sets or some of those skills that I just described. But Goody is is further along physically now. I think playing football helped him in that sense. And then also not playing football this past year allowed him in the summer just to really hit the weight room and gain like 10 to 15 pounds, had a great senior season uh, as far as shooting the ball at a more consistent clip. And uh, I, I think that his, his passing is underrated. Uh, and I think long-term he could be a guy that plays some four for you, maybe like a small ball four, like he's six foot seven, mm -hmm. uh, but immediately he can come off the bench uh, and shoot the three and, and do some things there. But yeah, I'm not expecting – a huge contribution, not expecting like Adam Miller, Curbelo, like right. huge kind of fingerprints on what you're going to do next year. If we want to keep the cops going, I think we've done the Matt McQuaid thing before, which is a yeah. really good player in a good program uh, that can help you a lot. So I think he's a little bit bigger uh, than Matt ever was, but uh, obviously a really good skill set in, in your program. Uh, Derek, I want to get into some Big Ten conversation, but we haven't talked to you on the podcast about Illinois does have a commitment. Um, during this month, Reggie ba Bass, right? Not base, yeah. Reggie Bass, uh, 2022 guard, longer kid. Um, this shocked a lot of people because he's not a top 100 guy, not a top 150 guy in the rankings right now. Though I would add the caveat that rankings are a little bit different when we haven't had AAU ball and haven't been able to see these guys a lot. Uh, but what does Illinois like so much about Reggie Bass, and what do you think about him? Well, I don't love that he picked the timing to to commit like right in the middle of everything going on, but uh, I'm not going to hate on him too much. Uh, the more content, the better ultimately, but uh, the staff really likes the fact that he can be a combo guard, secondary ball handler, probably more of a, of a two than a one for sure. Although he's done a lot with the ball in his hands as far as facilitating the offense, getting his own shot and, and creating for others. He's a really good passer. So about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, he's someone that can break you down, go to the basket, finish with either hand. He's a decent shooter. Like, the, the shot's a little bit of a set shot, and I know the release is a little bit low coming out, like coming out from the chest. Uh, but the the lefty stroke is is decent. Like, he can definitely shoot from the outside. I think that it can improve and get better. I think the staff believes it can over time. Uh, and he projects as a pretty darn good defender just because he's got – the length and the athletic traits to be able to guard different positions. And when you're slotting a guy next to a Curbelo uh, and you think that maybe Miller's not here for the entirety of four years, uh, he can be someone that plays alongside him and can handle some of the ball handling and also uh, fit well as far as just scoring and everything. So, yeah, he's not as highly ranked. And I personally wondered, like being a three-star, he's at the same position as a Jaden shot. You're bringing in other wings would you be hesitant to take him early? But the staff figured that that was, that was worth, um, you know, taking him on and, and, and getting him in, uh, getting him on board. And they like what he can bring. And it does look like, I'm looking at the scholarship chart, and, and right now Kofi's slotted into that year as well as a senior, which we know isn't going to happen. Um, there should be plenty of open scholarships. Like, like that shouldn't be a problem uh, for the Illini then. All right, Derek, let's take another quick break. I, I want to talk to you about the Big Ten because there's so much going on uh, in the Big Ten this offseason. That's next. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Derek, does the NCAA tournament disaster tell us anything uh, about the Big Ten? Or is this, I still think it's a strong conference. Um, maybe it's not as, as talented as others. I, I think it's been an older, you know, conference. And, and maybe, you know, the sample size of the non-conference in the, in the NCAA tournament tells us, 
you know, Oregon, some of those Pac-12 teams that aren't as consistent throughout the year, they just are, are more talented. And, you know, the Big 12 certainly uh, is talented right now. Um, but are, are we should we glean anything huge from this other than just a, a bad week for Big Ten basketball? Yeah, I think a lot of people are liking to go the hot take route here. And I know I've seen some of your stuff on Twitter. And like you said, it's still a really, really good league. They just had a bad week. And I'm I'm siding with you there. Uh, I think that there are some things that you could point to. I think you do bring up a good point. We get probably straight away from the fact that while it's really good basketball, while the quality's high, you look at mock drafts and where Big Ten players are at, and there's just not a lot of first-round picks like Io and Franz. Are those the only ones? I think Franz is the only lottery guy that, that is there. And and think about I, I, the other thing I think about, Derek, is the, the big man play. Like uh, the yeah. rest of the country – doesn't have these traditional bigs as much. And, and in the Big Ten, you almost have to have them because that other team has them. Like Wisconsin's going to have them. And, uh, you know, Michigan even went out and got Dickinson. And, and obviously Purdue just, you know, grows them on trees in West Lafayette or something. So, like, you almost have to go that route to win in the regular season. But then you kind of get this matchup disadvantage uh, in the postseason, it seems like. Yeah, that's, that's certainly a factor. That's certainly something to look at where – like you said, you're getting the five man to be able to survive the Big Ten, and then you get out there, and if your five can't switch or he's a defensive liability as far as mobility and, and defending outside of the paint, that can really hurt you where some of these teams, even in at the high major level like the Pac-12, can spread you out. And you think about Baylor, just the way that they can rotate and guard one through five, essentially. Uh, that's something that Big Ten teams don't necessarily have the, the versatility to be able to do, but uh, – yeah, I, I don't. I'm not going scorched earth or super hot take here. Uh, I I even looked at it outside of Illinois, and I know you could throw Ohio State in there as well. How many super shocking developments were there? Like Michigan State preseason top ten, but for them to flame out like in the first four doesn't surprise me. Iowa getting upset doesn't surprise me as a team that doesn't play defense. Like if you face a team that can outscore you, then that doesn't surprise me a whole lot. Um, Maryland won a game. That should be good enough based on what I thought they were. Rutgers should have won too. That should be good enough. I mean, they haven't been there in, in decades. Um, right. and the way they lost was really embarrassing uh, to end that game, but they, they still won a game. I think it, it's mostly Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa, right? Those yeah. three teams. Michigan, hey, carry that banner. <laughs> carry that banner into the right. Sweet 16 because you're the only one. I'm not shocked with Purdue. I, I just, they're no. young. Uh, they they got a team that I think is pretty good uh, that they played against that's older, um, so that wasn't too big of a surprise. But I mean Iowa getting just trounced by Oregon is a little bit of a surprise. But that's a talented Oregon team with a great coach, underrated and Dana Altman. Um, I mean Illinois and Ohio State though those are the surprises. Even though we all knew Loyola could be a problem in the second round and that was a bad matchup for them, uh, Ohio State has no excuse. I mean they really don't have. Much of an excuse, though that team is now in the Sweet 16, right? Oral Roberts. So, yeah. All right, and Ace Miss is probably an NBA player. So, um, yeah, I just I, I think there were some bad matchups here, man. Right, bad matchups. And, yeah, Ohio State, who – it surprised me for sure in the way Ohio State – I know they had lost games going down the stretch and even in the Big Ten tournament was flirting with losing like every round. Um, they played over their heads as far as what we thought roster wise and what they were going to be uh going into the year but yeah should they have lost to oral roberts no oral roberts is playing really well right now and look it, it's single elimination it's built for madness when you're on the wrong side of it it stinks yeah. uh i don't know i'm not i'm not gleaning too much from it but um certainly if you're in that position of ohio state and illinois you're really disappointed Derek, is the big 10 gonna be bad next year because I, i'm looking at indiana struggling to find a coach who wants to take on that job right now because while there's great history it's a great fan base the expectations there the microscope you have to live under like Archie Miller was miserable there just absolutely miserable and obviously he couldn't win out of it and he couldn't coach out of it uh, and and they had their issues there Uh, but Minnesota takes a a Xavier assistant who's who's got ties there and I think that's recruiting and a long-term play but they're going to be down Uh, Marcus Carr is gone Penn State, I really like Shrewsbury as a coach, um, but they're going to have a lot of turnover here. Wisconsin's going to have a lot of turnover. We know Nebraska and Northwestern aren't very talented yet. 
Uh, Maryland, I, it seems like Turgeon's going to stay, I think, and, and I hope they appreciate him as you and I knew from our Uber ride in, in Washington, D.C. four years ago. They were upset when he was you know, competing for Big Ten titles. Uh, and then you add Iowa that, that's losing a ton of talent with, with Luca Garza and, and Joe Wieskamp, I would imagine, stays in the NBA. And, you know, we'll see if there's any more roster change there. But for me, this is just a chance for Illinois to really establish itself as kind of that top five, top six Big Ten program here. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And you throw Wisconsin in there as well, just a team that had underachieved or just I wasn't super high. I mean, no one was at the end of the year. How many of those guys decided to come back? I know that Micah Potter's already announced that he's going to go the pro route uh, wherever that ends up taking him. So with them and with Iowa taking a huge hit, um, and like you said, Penn State's going to take a while. A lot of those guys hit the transfer portal. Same thing with Indiana. Uh, Minnesota without Marcus Carr is wow. They're not. They're not going to be very good. Uh, and and yeah, I, I think that. You should be up there next year. If you do get Kofi back and you make, say, you were to get, and I, I know this is hard, but if you were to get a Tai Washington or just address that other combo guard spot, even if it's Armand Franklin, I think you're up there with Michigan next year. Michigan State's going to be back, I would imagine, with getting Amani Bates and if that Max happens. Christie. If, if Amani plays college basketball, I think that, that, that remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Mich- Michigan's probably the front runner as they should be given the talent they have though they're going to lose some talent but i would imagine dickinson uh comes back and, and they still have uh, so many great recruits coming in there purdue's going to be that old team um but also yeah, Jaden ivy just took another yeah. step forward and and they look like they're going to be really good for the next several years trevion williams i would imagine comes back uh but uh, then ohio state i think is still uh really good so those are kind of the three and then i think you have that Michigan State, Illinois could be if, if certain players come in the offseason, mm-hmm. they could be in that top tier. And then you have teams like Maryland, Rutgers, and and maybe Wisconsin because they're Wisconsin. But yeah, what do we expect out of them? I don't know now. Right. And yeah, like you said, as far as establishing yourself, you, you think back to the previous season where you finish in the top four and another one this this past year, and, and you should be projected for that uh, going forward if you were to get Kofi back. Uh, so, yeah, the, there is a very good opportunity for you to just establish that that's, that's where you're at, plant your flag on, like, we're back in the top tier of the Big Ten and we're not going anywhere as far as the way we're recruiting, uh, what we, you know, what we have as far as the arsenal. I'm saying as far as a lot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but Does, does Underwood yes. say that? Because when uh, Gross kept using obviously, it became part of my lexicon, and now I use the word obviously all the time. time. I say it a ton. So I blame John. I I root for John at at Akron and they didn't have the best end of the year, but I always rue him for that because it's like, I say obviously way too much, John. I don't know if either of us have said elite today. Like that's That's kind of Brad's thing. Elite. Yeah, and it's uh, somebody else uh, in the big 10 that likes to to row some boats. He likes that word a lot too. And does Brad have another one? I don't know if Brad has one. Brett Bielema says stacking days. Like every ten words, it feels like, and his players say it now too. So, if I if I start saying stacking days, you can blame Bielma. <laughs> stacking days, I like that. Yeah, but I mean, the bottom of the Big Ten, Derek, could be bad. Like, like this year, we're like, yeah, there's two teams at the bottom, maybe three if you included Minnesota towards the end of the year. But I mean, the bottom of the Big Ten, like, there should be a lot of wins there. That they might be empty calories for a tournament resume. Uh, by the end of it, there, I, I think there's going to be a lot more quad three potential losses, right? Like if you if you screw up a little bit in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, it, Northwestern is not. I don't know when they're coming back or if they're ever coming back to the the, the tournament. Like even just getting to the tournament, you got Miller Coppett in the transfer portal. Um, Nebraska going to be a long long haul up for them as well, uh, and then if Indiana is going to be dismantled, even if those guys went back, like I guess trace would be a certain decision for them. Like they could really sway one way or another, how competitive they are next year. Uh, but if, if they, even if they got Franklin back and race Thompson back, they need shooting. They need a lot of other talent to boost them up and we'll see who gets there. But yeah, you're, you're just sending another team like a Minnesota towards the bottom, Indiana, if they, get gutted like that Penn state 
Well, I think Penn State had some decent players last year, like yeah. between Brockington and Lundy. Even Harrow was decent. So uh, them losing those guys, they're going to be down. Uh, there's a lot more in that basement, like you said. Yeah, and I know I didn't mention Iowa kind of in that middle tier. I, I just don't know what they are. C.J. Frederick, the McCaffreys. Uh, I love Keegan, Keegan Murray. I love Keegan Murray. So yeah, yeah, maybe he takes a huge step, and and maybe they are part of that middle tier. I think with like the Maryland's, but I, I don't see them as a a Big Ten contender per se. I mean, you're losing two of the best players that have recently played for you, so uh, that's a lot of credit to to Weiss Camp and Garza. So would Bohannon come back? <laughs> he could. He could Good. shatter. Maybe break. I, I don't think he'd be within distance of breaking Garza's scoring record, right? So I think he'd be safe there. But he could possibly end up pretty top, pretty high there. Uh, that's the other thing about Trent. If Trent did come back, he'd probably be a top five scorer all time at, at Illinois, which I think would be pretty cool. That's a good point. I think if you would have told me that at the end of his freshman season, I wouldn't be that surprised. But yeah, to have that opportunity, yeah. That, that would be cool. Yeah, Kawan Garris type of career that he could have had, but kudos to to Trent for for sacrificing and and not having those. You know, Malcolm Hill had a great career, and I I, th- I wish he could have played with better players on better teams. But you know, he didn't make a tournament, and he's number three all time in scoring. I think it's better for Trent to be top twenty all time in scoring and, and play on two really really uh, good teams. All right, Derek, I think we covered it all, but uh, I'm sure you'll have a post on the board within the next couple days that'll send everyone into a tizzy. But th- <laughs> I-, I think this is going to be a shocking offseason for college basketball, right? Just a, a rattling kind of offseason of, of the type of talent that could be changing teams here. Yeah, I, I would not go in with any kind of like, this wouldn't shock me type of deal. I mean, there, there might be some things uh, like a DeMonte Williams to Iowa. That's not going to happen. Like <laughs> <laughs> that would be one thing I'd feel safe in saying will not happen. But outside of that, uh, be ready to be surprised. Um, and there will be some high level players on the move and we'll just continue to monitor and see. And there's going to be a lot of buzz. There's going to be a lot of talk about what could potentially happen and, uh, we'll we'll definitely have you covered. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that's got to be on the horizon for for Josh Whitman is an extension uh, of and a raise uh, of Brad Underwood. I think that's a a huge thing here because I mean there's some jobs opening up, and if if Texas called Brad Underwood's agent um, after Shaka Smart gets hired from Marquette and they don't have to pay a buyout to him, I mean that that's a huge job, and and, and maybe it's a lateral for for Brad. I, I I haven't heard that Brad or Texas like that's connected. They obviously probably want Chris Beard. <laughs> that seems to be the case, but. That's something like he has earned, you know, the raise and to keep that guy. And I have no doubt, Derek, that that Josh is going to make uh, Brad very happy with, with an extension and, and raise offer here, and and the rest of the staff as well. I think it's really important. I mean, Stephen Gentry has shown his impact on this program, and we know how good Chin and Orlando have been in, in building up this roster. So I think all those guys. I think that's the the big order of business here for for Josh Whitman. Yeah, I completely agree with you and fully expect Josh to, to fall through on that. He has shown he, he definitely recognizes by giving Brad the extension last year, like what he certainly has and what he doesn't want to, to get away. So, uh, yeah, if Texas weren't to get a Chris Beard, I, I think that Brad would probably be on a list, maybe even a short list of, of, of guys that they would call. And uh, But Brad has a big buyout, and I think he's due for a raise. And, and same thing with his staff, so – keep them happy. I think Josh has been very pleased with them and he should be. Yeah. And they got this thing humming. Right. So I, th- I think, you know, taking on another like reset, like, I don't, I don't know if that's appealing, especially when he seems pretty happy, seems pretty happy here and seems pretty happy with uh, his AD right after what's happened yeah. in the last couple of years. Derek Piper. Great stuff as always, man. Appreciate it. Always fun, man. All right. We covered a lot of ground on that one. Might be one we bookmark and and go back to at certain points as we go over all the possibilities in the Illini offseason. And and there are a lot. The transfer portal continues to just fill up. It feels like there's more players on some teams in the transfer portal than actually on the roster. And, of course, a couple big prep targets still out there for Illinois basketball as well, which could be huge uh, for the long term, but also uh, the short term with Ty Ty Washington and Brandon Podzimski. All right, hope you enjoyed that podcast. Follow our podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Uh, give us a follow wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that. Also, you can give us a rating and review. Uh, that always helps us out as well. 
And as always, stay tuned to the Illini Inquirer Premium Board uh, for the latest VIP notes. Derek has been filling those up throughout the week, and it has been an eventful week. An eventful week for our Hoops Recruiting Thread. I I hope you guys are all doing okay. Shout out to the Hoops Recruiting Thread. You guys uh, guys are interesting. You guys are interesting, and you are passionate. You are passionate, passionate Illini fans. And uh, I usually, to be honest with you, I usually don't dive into that one very often I'm, i try to focus on my own life and the football side of things and covering the basketball team and i got a golf story coming up that, that i can't wait to write because i love talking uh, to mike small and the Illini golfers but i've dived in I've, I've dived into the uh hoops recruiting thread this week and it's it's an interesting place to live just take breaks every once in a while guys okay just just take breaks every once in a while i'll worry about you sometimes all right everybody have a great day take care of each other We'll talk to you next time on the Alana Inquirer podcast.